Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today, our guest is Michael Finch. Michael is a multi-species angler from London, Ontario. Michael, thanks for joining the show. Thanks a lot for having me. You live in an area with a lot of Great Lake fishing opportunities. Tell me about the area that, that you're from and kind of what you have around you. Uh, so I'm in London, Ontario, and for those who aren't familiar, we're kind of smack dab in between um, Windsor and Toronto, and uh, we're bordered by, well, we're, we have pretty quick access to three Great Lakes, so we're 45 minutes from Lake Erie, about an hour to Lake Huron, and about an hour and a half to Lake Ontario. Yeah, so you've got, you've got a lot of choices, a lot of different places you can go, a lot of different species you can target. And with all that opportunity, Michael, how do you decide where to go when you're thinking about, hey, this Saturday we're going to go fishing? How do, you, how do you come up with that plan uh, and decide which body of water to hit? Um, so in terms of species, we, if we're looking for salmon, which is our favorite species to target, um, we will usually run down to uh, Ontario or we have a cottage up in uh, Sauble Beach. So we're right on Lake Huron. And we're also, once we're up there, we're about 15 minutes to Georgian Bay, the southern end of Georgian Bay. And then if we're looking for uh, walleye, we'll scoot over to uh, Lake Erie. And depending on the time of year, it depends on, that's how we determine which port we're gonna go out of. Because we found, for the most part, the walleye seem to start in the west end and work their way east and then back again in the uh in the fall so we're recording this in the middle of october kind of what is your your plan for middle of october what type of uh what type of species are you targeting at this point with a lot of transition a lot of changes happening on the great lakes right now yeah so our season's kind of wrapping up for us we've we've snuck out a couple times to uh to try and get some walleye and we'll, we will head out in the uh, western ports of Lake Erie. And then in terms of um, like Chinook, they're usually, the kings are all running or have run already. Um, there's still some steelhead around in Coho, so you can still uh, get out to, to Lake Huron or uh, Lake Ontario and try and find them. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about uh, Lake Huron. You're, you're close to Lake Huron and we don't hear a lot about the Canadian side of Lake Huron very often. It's it's one of those kind of great lakes that, that just doesn't get a lot of attention with everything that's gone on there over the last 10 or 15 years. But tell me about fishing on Lake Huron from the Canadian side in, in your neck of the woods. Yeah, so as everybody knows there, um, a while ago there was a, a bait fish collapse in Lake Huron. So the fish numbers have gone down greatly, but we're starting to see some good bait fish come back, which means that the uh, the game fish are gonna recover soon. So when we're heading out, um, it's uh, it's a fairly gradual drop off there. So we, we're looking for structure and cold water when we're going out there. So uh, up on the Bruce Peninsula, we'll run five to seven miles offshore to try and find some decent cold water and some good bottom structure there. And then once you uh, once you have those elements, you try and track some bait fish and uh, look for the, the the water currents. And if you can combine the water temperature and the uh, bottom structure, 
and your currents. And if there's bait fish there, there's usually some good game fish, uh, Chinooks, Coho, Steelhead. And, uh, and then if we're getting desperate, we're dropping down for lake trout too. Tell me about the structure and, and kind of what is that combination of water temperature and current? What exactly are you looking for when you're out there doing your search and, and trying to pin down that, that happy spot where you're going to find the fish? Yeah, so in terms of water temperature, um, kings seem to prefer like 42 degrees, maybe up to like 52 degrees, just below that thermocline level in the summer. And we'll generally look for about 44 degrees with, uh, with our fish hawk probe. And then the currents, if you can find, uh, you can use different websites like NOAA to, to track the Great Lakes currents before you head out. But um, when we're out there, we're kind of determining with the probe where the currents are coming from. And if you can get an upwelling, say off a, um, like a bottom shoal or a point, you can get that upwelling of current, it kind of traps the bait fish in there. Bait fish are typically weak swimmers, so they kind of get pushed around with the currents. And if you can get all the currents funneling the bait fish into one area, the uh, the kings are always hungry, so they're gonna be there too. And you're close to Georgian Bay too, and that's a spot that I'm really curious about. Tell me about Georgian Bay and, and kind of what your fishing activities up there look like. Yeah, so it's a different animal than the, uh, the Great Lakes, I guess it's considered part uh, an arm of Lake Huron, but uh, the rules are we can only use one pole per person there. So that really limits you. So it makes it a little bit more challenging to fish. And we're fishing on the west side of, uh, of Georgian Bay, which is uh, along the Bruce Peninsula there. And it's quite, there's a ton of structure there because it's uh, part of the Niagara Escarpment. So you can be 20, 30 feet offshore, in 150, 200 feet of water in some in some spots there. So it makes for pretty unique fishing. You don't have to run too far out of port to, uh, to fish there. And what we typically find too is uh, on the western side, the salmon seem to start at the northern end of the Bruce Peninsula and work their way down south through. Uh, so we would start in Dyer's Bay and go down to Lion's Head, Cape Croker, um, Wyerton, then over to Big Bay, and then they, there's a Owen Sound has the Sydenham River, and it's it's uh, they stock that pretty good. So there's a lot of run there. So by August, they're all down in that in the southern end of Georgian Bay. Awesome. With one rod, limited to just one rod when you're out on the water there. How does that kind of affect your strategy? And, and what types of things are you running when you're out there running with one rod? I mean. At that point, you really kind of got to be pretty dialed in. So tell yeah. me you go about deciding what you're going to run and how you run it. Yeah, so in the, in the morning, we will start um, usually with a pretty aggressive program. So depending on how many people are on the boat, we'll have uh, a couple of riggers out. Maybe um, if there's four guys, we'll have some dipsies going too with flashers and, and uh, like cut bait. Sometimes we'll use, what do they call it, An anchovies, like a smaller... I know a lot of guys like herring in Ontario, but we find the uh, the anchovies, they're smaller and it seems to match the uh, the bait in Georgian Bay better. And then as the day progresses, we'll try and do a more stealthy approach to, uh, to target the fish. So we'll use like a lead core line or longer leads on our, on our riggers. And that seems to really pay off well for us. 
I'm not sure if the the fish around Georgian Bay are as, are as used to as much boat traffic as in busier ports, like uh, anywhere along Ontario where there's 50 boats out in a day. So it, we find that if you can get your lines back once the uh, the big morning feed is slowed down, you have your you have a better opportunity to pick up more fish. The other thing we always do there too is if we're running our riggers, we'll use sliders or cheaters, whatever you want to call them, where you just clip it on your line and, and send it down. So it allows you to have two lures on one line essentially. Michael, a lot of people prefer to kind of focus on one area and dial it in and really learn it well and really, you know, I'm going to go to this port, I'm going to know everything about it. I'm going to fish it and know it very well, but you're the kind of guy that you like variety, you like doing a lot of different fishing. Um, do you think having a lot of these spots is an advantage or a disadvantage? Um, I think anytime you can change up what you're doing and, and have to think about things in different terms, it's an advantage to you because you can take that information back to wherever you're really comfortable and, and put it to work. So if you find some things working in even trying to find a different species like if you find something neat when you're walleye fishing you can sometimes translate that into fishing for salmon or vice versa it it, uh it allows you more experience i I guess i would say yeah can you give me a specific example of that where you learned something on one body of water and brought it over to another one and and found out that 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 actually works and like i said i think some people get really caught up in what is going on regionally and then they they just kind of get dialed into doing that one thing. Tell me about a time where you um, went somewhere and kind of followed that program and were able to take that back somewhere else and, and see the results from it. Yeah, so I think um, that's a good question. So I, I think for us, it would be something where we're trying trying a slightly different spread. So like uh, when we're when we're fishing for walleye, we'll we'll run. The, the planer boards off the side of the boat. And we we never really did that when we were salmon fishing. And then uh, when we had the opportunity to, to run them out, we we actually ended up catching a fair number of fish off the boards. And it worked really well for us. And it's and now it's something we incorporate every time we go out if we can. And tell me about the we in that statement. Who are you fishing with? Uh, you're not a guide. You're just kind of a regular guy out doing this and doing some fishing. Tell me about the people that you're you're spending time on the water with. Yeah, so for the most part, it's uh, my dad and I. We've always like I grew up fishing with him, and we have a great time fishing together. So um, he actually lives down closer to Lake Ontario. So if we're we're going out there, I'll stay over at his place, and we'll we'll get up early in the morning, just like when I was a little kid, and and head out, and it's a lot of fun. Um, my son's getting into it it's it's difficult to get kids in into fishing these days it seems but and that's something i talk about on my instagram i give some some tips about fishing with kids and stuff like that and i've got uh a couple nephews that are that are keen on it too so it's kind of a a family affair awesome i want to get into your instagram in just a second but before we get to that uh being mobile is a big part of your fishing strategy you're fishing out of a trailer bull boat tell me a little bit about the boat that you're using uh, so we have a 19-foot Sylvan Pro Select and uh, a 115 on the back. So it's a great, it's a crossover boat because we're not always fishing. The kids like the tube and water ski and whatnot. So it serves uh, both purposes for that. And it's 
super fast. We get up to 40 miles an hour. So if we're running five, six, seven miles offshore, we're out there in, in a couple minutes. And yeah, it's a, it's a great boat for that. So I, I couldn't see us ever moving to uh, just a fishing boat for the sole purpose that the, uh, the kids like to tube and water ski and stuff like that. And then you lose your maneuverability. You wouldn't be able to run from lake to lake easily. Yeah, having that, that adaptability. Tell me about how you have it set up. What do you have set up on your fish or on your boat? What are you using for electronics? How, you, how do you have your rods and your downriggers set up? Sure. So we carry with us usually eight to 10 rods, um, enough for uh, three or four dipsies, a couple lead core lines, and uh, usually three rigger rods. We run uh, Scotty riggers off the back, and um, we have the, the Fishhawk probe, the X, X4D, um, and we're using a, a Lawrence uh, Elite TI2 graph on the boat. So that serves, uh, it does basically everything we need to do. We also run um, what I don't see on a lot of boats. We have uh, Navionics on our iPad as well. So we, we put the iPad up there. So we're running a big map on that and then a smaller map on our uh, graph and then also two sonars with that. So we've got uh, 83 and uh, 200 running to give us our scope below us. Oh, I got acquainted with you and kind of what you're up to is through Instagram. And I know that it's something that uh, you've done really well with it and you've grown it and you take some awesome pictures and have some awesome pictures up on your Instagram. How did that all get started and uh, where can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, so um, my Instagram is unsalted underscore fishing. I believe I, it's like kind of knowing your own phone number. I'm not sure if it's, it's that You're or not. You're right. That's what it yeah. is. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never Google myself. Um, but yeah, so I started it uh, just this spring. Um, I've always had a huge passion, passion for fishing. And, uh, and as you know, fishermen just like to speak, or I should say anglers just like to speak about what they do. And, and you always want to show off your catch and, and give tips to everybody. So I thought, I had some knowledge to share with people and, and I get a lot of questions on there and I always respond to people who, who write in and there's some, some things that I need to think about and learn too from other people. So it's a really great resource. And I also use it, as we were saying, I fished out of multiple ports. So um, it's like a networking tool. So I use it to, I'll contact uh, charter captains before I head out and be like, what, what's going on? What's working for you these days? And it's happened back and forth too. Like I've, I've talked to people and gone out the next day and then they're out the next day and not finding what I was finding. So we communicate back and forth and, and share all our information. So I think if you can network properly, there's, there's so many resources. So you can, you can talk to local fisheries, you can talk to charter captains, you can talk to the Marine and employees. They know what's going on, who's bringing in what, where they're getting it. Um, there's tons of Instagram, um, internet forms and, and groups on Facebook. And, and then you can just, you have access to every great fisher person out there through Instagram and Facebook and everybody wants to talk about it. I, I've never written to a person and not gotten a response from them. It doesn't matter who it is. They, they're willing to help you out. So it's a really great community. Yeah, that's awesome. And really the, the photos that you take are, are really incredible. Uh, what kind of tools are you using to, to get some of the photos that you're getting 
Are you just shooting them on your phone? Do you <laughs> selfie sticks? Are you using a drone? Tell me about some of the tools that, that you're using to get some of the shots that you yeah, so um, the iPhone takes amazing, <laughs> amazing pictures. Um, we also run uh, a GoPro on the boat. Some we have three of them. Sometimes we'll run, run all three, but we usually just throw one up on uh, on a pole in the front of the boat and turn it on. And you can learn a lot of information uh, just by watching yourself after to watching how you caught the fish or watching how you lost the fish or seeing how long it took you to notice a rod fire or whatever you want to know about it. So, and the GoPros are, they're amazing quality as well. So. so you're getting game film of every time you go out and fish and reviewing that. And that's, that's gotta be making you better. I mean, it's something that people use in a lot of different sports and a lot of different avenues. Yeah. And it's something that you're using as well. Yeah, for sure. So I think the biggest thing is, why did we lose that fish? Like you can, you can kind of pinpoint your mistakes or if there was a, like a netting mishap at the boat or what you can see the fish jump off in the distance and how can I play that fish differently? So a lot of the, the finer details you don't notice in the heat of the moment when you're, when your adrenaline's pumping and you have that, that fish on the line. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I used to do a lot of uh, filming of hunts. And it was mm -hmm. the same thing, you know, people, I actually uh, was in camp one day and a guy thought that, that he hit a deer really well. And we, we tracked blood all over the place, couldn't find blood, couldn't find blood. Then finally it got dark and you could see his lighted knock in a tree. And he had actually not even hit that deer. He had <laughs> tree. And just the heat of the moment kind of thing where he saw the deer run and in his mind, he absolutely nailed that deer, but in reality, never came close to it. So like you said, a lot of times while you're doing things, you, um, you imagine one thing happening, but having that video footage, being able to go back and look, you can really verify whether what you saw in your mind is what actually happened. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it really helps. And plus you get, you get some awesome pictures. So we've even sent uh, some cameras down on the cannonballs and you can, you can see the fish strike your slider, your main lure or whatever. So. That's awesome, Michael. It was great having you on the show and talking to you. I really like having kind of average guy kind of kind of conversations with people. So really appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing about your area, about what you do. And if people want to find more about you, they can go to your Instagram. It's unsalted underscore fishing and uh, check out everything you've got going on because it is a great Instagram follow. Lots of cool pictures, lots of great information. Michael, is there something that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about today? Um, yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's, it's really cool. I've listened to your uh, podcast since day one and really, like, I've, I've followed all your guests for years in their fishing. So sure. It's, it's, well, I appreciate uh, you doing that. It's awesome to be here. I think uh, I knew you were going to ask this question, but I think the, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I would recommend in terms of how mobile we are is, is uh, just trailering safety. You see so many trailers on the side of the road when you're, when you're driving to your spot and you always think, Oh man, that would suck. So I think just having our, our trailer has dual axles. So even we've had blowouts and you don't even notice until you see the sparks flying from the, the belt of the tire, uh, greasier, greasier bearings every year. Uh, that'll, that'll mess up your day in a hurry too. And 
make sure everything's tied down. I'm sure we've all seen those uh, clips on the internet of boats flying off their trailers on the highway. So just be really safe about it when you're out there. Yep, I uh, I saw a boat on the highway, uh, literally a boat on the highway, uh, about two weeks ago. So yeah, it happens never, all the time. Never a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for awesome, sure. Michael. Thanks for joining the show. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, good luck the rest of the year if you get out a few more times. Otherwise, uh, enjoy your off season and getting your boat ready for next season. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.